Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Romans chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 1 through 15 this morning. As you do that, I just want to kind of recap the last few weeks as we've gone through this season of Giving Back series. We've been just encouraged in God's Word and been looking at God's Word to see how it instructs us on how we ought to give. And we've been using kind of the language of like, we got to give sacrificially or we got to give um, until it hurts because of what Christ has done for us. And so week by week, we've been challenged to, to think about ways that, that we can give back in this season, ways that we can give back to our, our families, ways that we can give back to our neighbors and then give back even to our local community as well. And we're not saying just with your finances alone, right? We're all saying with our, also saying with our, our time, our resources and, and the giftings that, that God has given us, we want to be able to give back sacrificially to the point where it hurts. And so as we wrap up this time of a season of giving back, we're now going to kind of take it to a global perspective as Pastor Jeff was talking about. Um, but I think what I want you guys to see today is that as we think from a global perspective, it actually leads to a deeper love and compassion and energy towards our families, toward our neighbors, and to our local community as well. So we're going to see four things from this text today. Yes, I said four. Don't freak out. We're going to be here like 25 minutes. And you guys are safe because I've got my kids and my wife over here. If I go over 25, I'm going to see her face. I'm going to know we need to wrap it up really quick. But before we get going, I want to address the kiddos. So kids, if you're in here, I want you to look at me real quick. We're going to break the rules for a second. So if you're in fifth grade or below, I want you to stand up in your seat. Go ahead and stand up in your seat real tall so everybody can see you. Don't be shy. You can do it. All right. So first, mom and dad, Rock Point Church. One of the reasons I'm doing this is so that we can see this right here. This right here should be our first priority and our best chance for sending out little missionaries in the future. As we live a life of being sent, as we're being hospitable in our homes, we're letting people come into our homes and hear about the gospels. We're taking the, the gospel to the workplaces, even for some of you, maybe taking trips to other nations to tell people about Jesus. They're going to follow us. They really are. They're going to be, they're going to follow us. And now kids, listen to this. I'm going to put a picture up here on the screen. Every one of you guys may have noticed you had one of these in your bag. Okay. I've got an assignment for you guys today. We're going to talk about feet. We're going to talk about feet. The Bible actually says that feet that carry the good news of Jesus are beautiful. But are feet really beautiful? After a long day at school and running out in recess and gym class, do you take your shoes off at home at night and go, man, my feet are beautiful? <laughs> no, they're stinky, right? You get dirt underneath your toenails. For some of us, our feet are hairy. They're not beautiful. But what you guys are going to do is you're going to take that picture for the next 20 minutes I want you to take your time. You got crayons. I want you to make those feet look beautiful. And then right after service, you guys can walk out here to the right, okay? We have our missions wall, the map, map of all the world on there. And Miss Katie and Kelly have put a place for you to hang that picture up. And what that'll do for us as a church, it will remind us of just how many potential beautiful feet we have to carry the good news in the future, okay? Can you guys do that for me? All right, you guys go have a seat. Now, parents, this isn't for you, so if I see you collaring, just don't make me have to call you out during, during the sermon, okay? All right, so let's get started because we're running out of time. I want you to think about your story. How did you come to know about Jesus? Maybe it was a friend. 
A friend just told you about Jesus. Maybe it, you were raised in a home where your parents taught you about Jesus. Maybe it was a, a sermon, a pastor, or a teacher that taught you. Regardless, you are where you are right now because in God's providence, he charged another person with the responsibility of your salvation. Now, some of you just went like, whoa, 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 Jake. I think your, your doctrine of salvation is a little jacked up there. Did you just say that somebody else had the responsibility for salvation? That's God's work alone, and you are correct. But as we look at Romans 10, I'm going to say that we're both right. And so our big takeaway, if you're taking notes today, is this. Kind of a long one to be up here on the screen. Only through Christ will a church urgently send its people to the nations so that all may hear the good news that Jesus saves. Only through the gospel and hearing about Jesus will a church send people urgently to the nations so that all may hear the good news that Jesus saves. As we've put in the time to spur one another on to love and good works, we've been saying this, we give because God gave. In the same way, what we're talking about today, we partner with, with missionaries and we send our people out because God sent his son so that none should perish. And real quick, before we dive in, as a, as a side note, I want, I want to clarify something. Sometimes we feel that, that local ministry and, and, and global missions it is sometimes like in competition with one another. I heard multiple times, seven years ago, raising support to go to Ethiopia, people would say, well, wait a minute, like, why would you go all the way there when you've got people in your own backyard who don't know about Jesus? And what I love is what we see in these 15 verses is a, a burden in Paul. In verses one through four, he has a burden for his people, the people in his own backyard, but it also translates to a burden for the nations, as we'll see in verse 12. And so one of the things I want to share with you guys is one of the convictions of our church, and we think about missions, the, thing that, the, the reason we do missions and the way we do it is that we feel that every Christian is sent with the gospel. You've heard that over and over from us. So the question isn't, what is God's will for my life? That's not really the question if you're a Christian. The question is, where and how do I fulfill that calling of being sent? And so we say, Local ministry and global missions are not at odds with one another. If anything, local ministry is the training ground for global missions. You got global missions over here celebrating the fact that their work is worthy of being reproduced in the local context. And you've got the, the local ministry celebrating the fact that their work is worthy of being exported to the nations. And so they're not in competition with one another. Let's go ahead and look at verse one. I'm gonna read all 15 verses, get through it fast. And then we'll dive in. <clears throat> it says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So the first thing I want you to see today is we just see Paul's burden for the lost. See, a burden for the lost in Paul. And he says, listen, like, these are my brothers. This is my heart's desire and prayer that they would come to know Jesus. We see his burden for them to come to know Jesus. And they have a special place in his heart. And he prays and works for that end. But at the same time, he recognizes that they practice self-righteousness, that they're unwilling to see their own sin and need for a savior. And yet, Paul's heart's still burdened for them. I remember the, the, the first time that after Jesus got a hold of me, that the first time that I really sensed that, that burden. I was able to go on a short-term missions trip to Columbus, Ohio, and, and was able to see um, a ministry that was uh, doing ministry towards uh, Somali refugees, Somali Muslims from Somalia, who through um, tragedy and trial had been relocated to Columbus, Ohio. And for the first time, I was like, man, like, my faith starting to make sense. This, this calling to go and to make disciples of all nations because of just seeing this people, a burden start, started to be there. They, these are people who previously had no access to the gospel and now have been just plucked out of their culture, put in Columbus, Ohio of all places, which I would contend is a good place to be, but they were put into Columbus, Ohio and they were hearing the gospel. And this burden started to, to grow in me. And it grew to the point where I started to realize that I was becoming a little bit obsessed with it. But you see this happening in people a lot. You see this today, missionaries who say, listen, I want to go to the places where no one else wants to go. I want to take my family. I want to go to another country. I want to learn another language. I want to tell people about Jesus. And I want to go to the places where they don't know about Jesus. They don't have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. It becomes like an obsession. But you don't just see it in that context. You see it here as well. We see it in our church. In our Celebrate Redemption ministry, for crying out loud, like Julie Baird, John Baird, Nikki Clendenning, a whole host of other folks who just dive deep into that ministry, say, hey, I want to take the gospel to the most broken and marginalized people in our community, to the messiest of places. And they dive in and they're almost obsessed with it. People on our staff, Patty Emmert, Paige McGay. They, they worked here, they loved working here, they, they would tell you, and they said, hey, you know what, like, as much as we love it here, we recognize that in the schools, there's students who don't know Jesus. They have no opportunity to know about Jesus. Their parents are going to teach them about Jesus. We have a burden to go. We see it in our student ministry. I think of a Tristan Sawyer. I've seen this kid come to, to high school uh, trainings on evangelism to show up, one of the only middle schoolers there, asking questions, coming in and talking to Braden in his office because he just wants to learn more about telling people about Jesus because he wants those kids in his class to hear the good news of the gospel. And you ask yourself, where does that come from? Where does that burden come from? It comes from hearing the gospel. It comes from experience this in Christ. We see Paul's burden for his people to be saved because he's experienced this righteousness in Christ. Because of his experience, he's burdened for his brothers to hear about the gospel, but it translates to more. And he's watching his Jewish brothers and sisters trying to add more to, the, to, to, to 
really follow the law, the self-righteousness. And so you see what Paul does next. He lays out the simplicity of the gospel. And that's our second point today. We see Paul lay out a simple and explicit gospel. And I'm sure many of you heard this before, that the gospel is simple enough for a child to understand and yet deep enough that we can swim in it our entire lives and gain new understanding. I like the way Spurgeon says it. He says this, It is true that in the scriptures there are great mysteries, but the knowledge of these deep things is not essential to salvation, or else few of us would be saved. The things that are essential to salvation are so exceedingly simple that no child need sit down in despair of understanding the things which make for his peace. Christ crucified is not a riddle for sages, but a plain truth for plain people. True, it is meat for men, but it is also milk for babes. Paul, saying, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you are saved. It's that simple. With the heart, you're declared innocent. With the mouth, we confess this truth, and you are saved. There's no need to make it overly complicated, yet we want to, don't we? And we don't have the time to really dive into to verses six through eight, but that's what Paul's talking about when he says, don't say to yourselves who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss. Don't be looking around to see who's playing the part and wonder if you're playing the part, but instead, do they have the word near to them? Is it on their mouth? Is it in their heart? Because if you declare it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, you're saved. But we wanna have that tendency to be like, well, what about looking a certain way? What about, what about voting a certain way? What about your past? Like how checkered is your past really? How much can you really reveal to people? What happens when you fail? After you say you're following Jesus, what do you do after you fail? You see this, this bent in our heart, this battle that we have of continually, continually wanting to try to save ourselves, to practice our own self-righteousness. You see this in your life, don't you? Like, I know I see it in my life, and maybe you see it too, in our inability to show weaknesses to one another. We come in here on Sunday morning, how are you doing? I'm fine. Man, you don't look fine. I'm good. Everything's good. We don't want to show anybody our weaknesses because we ask ourselves, what will happen if the church knows? What would happen if the church knows that I'm battling with this sin or I have this going on? Would, would that be cause for me to rejoice because in my weakness, people can see God magnified all the more? Or if the church were to find out about me, will I run away? Will I run to another church? Maybe I'll just go into hiding until I get everything, the mess all cleaned up before I come out again. Scripture tells us that when we grasp the gospel, when we taste and see that the Lord is good, it tells us that there will be no shame. Verse 11, everyone who believes will not be put to shame. Have you tasted that freedom yet? To, to grab on to this and say, I do not have to fear shame and guilt anymore. I don't have to hold on to resentment, but instead I can confess it all and begin to journey through this life without fear of what lies ahead for me. But this is the important part. You can't find this anywhere else. You're not gonna find it in the world. You're not gonna find it in the pursuit of stuff. You're not gonna find it in status. You're not gonna find it in other religions. Paul's next argument is here. He's, he argues for the exclusivity of Christ, that in Christ alone that this is found. And the world does not like this one. Many denominations in the church avoid this out of fear of what the world may think of them. But if you look at verses 12 and 13, 
There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Jesus is the same Lord to all. The gospel is not a way to salvation. It is the way to salvation. This is not a popular opinion. But Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Meaning those who don't, they will not be saved. And you're like, wait a minute, Jake, I don't see that in the next verse. It doesn't say that explicitly. How do we we know this to be true? That those who don't know Jesus will be condemned. We see it in verses 14 and 15. And Paul's urgency to go and urging us to go. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Paul asks a bunch of rhetorical questions with the obvious answer being, they can't. That they can't hear about it if no one goes. I love the way John Stott puts it. He just says, simply work this verse backwards and this is how it all works. This is how the church ought to be. The church sends their people out. They preach. Preachers preach. People hear it. They believe and they call upon the name of the Lord and they're saved. Which means for us, those of us who have called on the name of the Lord, we have a divine responsibility to the salvation of others. Let me ask you a question. How does that land on you when you hear that? That you in Jesus have a divine responsibility to the salvation of others. Do you feel that burden all of a sudden? If you don't, do you wonder why you don't feel that burden? By by God's design, he has entrusted you and I, his children, to carry out the fulfillment of the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations. And how is that accomplished? By sending people, by by partnering with missionaries, people who want to go to the nations and tell people about Jesus, by raising up and training people in our own church to go be evangelists and take it to their workplace and and raising up small group leaders and and deacons and maybe people who will go into full-time ministry one day. But not everyone can go. Some have to stay and send, right? So our goal isn't to persuade every one of you to become a missionary in the global sense, but really to become a world Christian. Now, I didn't say worldly Christian, as in fall in love with the world, but to be a world Christian, which what I mean by that is that you are aware of the mission. You are aware that there are people without Jesus. Just like for me, when I went on that first trip where I saw people who legitimately were an unreached people group who never heard about Jesus and suddenly something just struck me and I had that burden that we as a church have that burden, that we are so burdened by the loss that we become obsessed with sending people to the nations. But listen, this is important. We cannot export what we don't manufacture at home. We just can't do it. If we want to be a church that sends people to the nations, which I think we want to be, as Paul says, how will they hear if, they don't, if no one's sent? We've got to grab hold of a conviction to see ourselves sent to our local community as well. And then these beautiful little feet will see how we're living and it begins to become contagious. So then hear this, to be a sender, to, to be a sending church, in a lot of ways, we also got to be goers. We got to be going to our local community because we will not export what we don't manufacture at home. 
and in both going and sending come about because of a burden, a burden for others to be saved. So only through Christ, only through Christ will a church urgently send its people to the nations so that all may hear the good news that Jesus saves. Because you and I, we've heard this good news that Jesus saves. The response in us as a church is to want to urgently send people to the nations. And as we do that, we're growing in our desire to send ourselves to our families, to our neighbors, to our communities. Seeing us all as a church commissioned to this work, And some who will stand up and say, send me, I'll go. And as we wrap up today, I do want to say this. I want to encourage you. In the three years that I've been here, it has been so cool to see Rock Point Church growing this. I'm sure Pastor Jeff from being here before and and Pastor Terry, Pastor Brian would say the same things. They're watching over the years how Rock Point Church continues to grow into this desire and this culture of going. And if you look around, if you look through the the booklet that you got for the season of giving back, the amount of missionary partnerships we have and and like a Jacob Remender wanting to go to Costa Rica this summer and to serve over the summer just to continue to train himself up in missions. Sarah Rogers, who's getting ready to head back to the mission field here in a week to Brazil to spend another year there. We've got Katie Baird who's studying in college to, to go to the mission field. We've got a student ministries trip coming up in March and spring break a group of like 15 students who are like, man, I'm excited to go and and learn about mission. It's happening in our church and it's contagious. The more and more we have people who get excited for certain ministries and and dive in and say, listen, I've I've got this people group that I wanna go to in our community. Maybe it's foster kids, maybe it's celebrate redemption, whatever that is. We've got people who are standing up and doing it and people who are following. Guys, I just wanna celebrate that. Like as a church, we should just be celebrating the fact that God sees us fit as a church to go and take his gospel to the nations and to our local community. That's a culture of going. That's exciting stuff. All right, kids, let me see your feet. Hold them up, hold them up high. Awesome, great job. You guys go hang those up after we, after we end service today, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, thank you for this church family. Uh, Lord, thank you for the closeness we have, the the bond that we have because of what you've done for us, that you have made us brothers and sisters in Christ where there were two people, the Bible says, there's now one because of what you've done for us. We're so thankful to be a church body that you have blessed tremendously, that you continue to raise up those who have a desire, a burden to go. And God, I pray that you always increase that burden for us as a church to to send people well, to go and herald this good news to the nations, but also, Lord, to um, herald this good news to Crawfordsville, Indiana, and to those who are broken and apart from you, to see that we do have a responsibility that you've given us to the salvation of others. And God, thank you for seeing fit to use us. May you be glorified in that. In Jesus' name, amen.